let's get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. So, the series that we're uh, involved in at the moment is related to Lent and fasting. And so, um, the last few weeks we've been focused on the elements of fasting and what is uh, the Lenten way of fasting and how we can get deeper into this fast. So, the first kind of topic was generically looking at fasting and prayer. And then uh, Buna talked about um, God's absence in prayer, or is God missing in prayer, I think, after that. Then uh, last week we spoke about repentance. Um, and this week we're going to talk about um, giving to the poor, almsgiving, some, you know, that concept. And so these four things kind of come together to deliver the, the um, elements of the Lent. Fasting prayer, repentance, and giving to the poor. Okay, so that's what we hear ever since we've been young. They're the four things, and repentance, obviously. They're the things that we hear during the Lenten period. And so today we're going to end with, uh, and there's more, but my my series anyway, we'll end um, with the almsgiving. But the topic today is actually called, We Are His Hands. That comes from a quote I read um, from St. Teresa of Avila. Has anyone heard of St. Teresa of Avila? No? So she's a um, Spanish mystic. She was a Carmelite nun around the time of the Reformation in Spain. So somewhere around mid-16th century. Um, has anyone heard of St. John of the Cross? No? St. John of the Cross? So she was a contemporary of St. John of the Cross. Okay? And they did, if you go to Europe, you find that a lot of Europe um, are Protestant, yeah? So they, uh, during the Reformation, a lot of Europe became Protestant, except Spain. Spain kept its uh, Catholic uh, religion, and a lot of it comes down to St. John of the Cross and St. Teresa of Avila. <clears throat> but anyway, so she writes, and I'm going to read the quote, because it's a beautiful quote. It says, Christ has no, body, has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. Okay? So it comes from this quote. And the idea of what St. Teresa is saying is that Christ, with his ascension, came the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not just for the benefit of the members of the church so that they can receive something to be differentiate them from the rest of the world. It had nothing to do with that. What, what, was, what was happening or what happened was Christ gave the Holy Spirit to his church so his church can continue his work as if he was living on earth. And this is the point, this is the kind of the, 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 in my opinion, I think the deepest point of almsgiving. It's not in the fact that we are giving, but it's in the, in, in the idea that we are an extension of the work of Christ. And it actually comes back to the point that we discussed in the first topic. It's actually got everything to do with my unity with Christ. The revelation I have, my understanding of God through Christ, and my unity with Christ. Okay, and that's what we're going to explore a little bit today. 
If we look in Colossians, I know you might not have your, your Bibles handy, but if you don't, just listen. So in Colossians 1, verse 24, St. Paul says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ, for the sake of his body, which is the church. I'm going to read that again because some, some people, when they read this, they get a little bit stumped. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. So when you first read this, you get a little bit confused, because here he's suggesting that the afflictions of Christ were lacking. For the sake of his body, which is the church. So when you first read that, like I said, you kind of start to, what is lacking and why is the work of Christ lacking? Um, and it's actually got nothing to do with the lacking of the, the, the work of Christ. But what, he's trying, what he was saying, St. Paul here, is St. Paul is obviously suffering in the ministry. He's working really hard to spread the word of God. He's working really hard to take care of the poor. He's working really hard to get the message of salvation out there to save as many people as possible. St. Paul also went through a lot of sufferings. He was beaten and he was... Uh, um, uh, whipped and he had shipwrecks and, and he explains all these things. And so what he's saying is, I suffered for you, he's telling them. And in this suffering, the way I picture this suffering is that I am continuing the afflictions of Christ. Not the suffering of Christ on the cross, because that is complete. He's talking about the human affliction of Christ. So Christ, when he was on earth, he, he was afflicted as a human. He was under human pressure. He felt he had to bear the sin of humans all, the, all around him. And he had to be patient with them. He had to endure the death of his loved ones and he had to weep with them. He had to endure people's lack of faith. He had to endure people trying to get him and corner him and trick him. He had to endure people persecuting him for doing good like the Pharisees. He had to endure walking the long distances to go and find the lost, even when the lost didn't want to be found. They're the afflictions of Christ that St. Paul is talking about. And so what St. Paul is doing is saying, the reason I am willing to suffer for the body of Christ, which is the church, is because that is what was, that, that's what Christ was doing. And so if I am a member of Christ, then I have to continue that same suffering. And in continuing that same work, I am then a true member in the body of Christ. And so what you've got here is we can reverse this. If we do not act as his hands and his feet and his eyes and his ears, if we are not picking up the lack, the, what is lacking in the affliction of Christ, we are actually not members of the body of Christ. Because like St. Paul says in Romans, so we being many are one body of Christ and individually members of this one body. And then St. Paul continues on and says, you know what? What hand or what finger or what eye or what ear is going to tell to the rest of the body, actually, you know what, I'm not that interested in playing 
with the rest of the body. I'm going to go off and do something else. The purpose of the ear in the body is to make this human complete. The purpose of the eye, the brain, the ears, the hand, even the little fingers, everything comes together to make this human complete. The moment any one body, any one part of a, of a body decides to go its own way and not support the rest of the body, that body and that human becomes dysfunctional. And so the moment we do not look to others to give, to support, to extend a helping hand, to feel empathetic towards them, to lend an li ear to listen, we sever ourselves from the body of Christ. This particular point is the practical application of our Eucharist. This particular point is the practical application of our Eucharist. We cannot live in the Eucharistic life, the life of thanksgiving, the life of unity, without being involved, engaged, and totally absorbed in our giving to others. It's not about giving money. It's not about giving what I have. It's got nothing to do with that. It's being active and functioning members of this body. And so in the early church, you found that the moment they became a church, it says in Acts, what they did is they went and they gave everything they had to the disciples so that the disciples can then distribute to everyone so that everyone can have. Now, this was not a socialist movement. It's not a, you know, it's not a, hey, everyone gives so that we don't have to work and we kind of live in this socialist uh, utopia. That's not what it was about. What it was about is they had recognized that they are truly now members of each other. Therefore, if one member is weak, the other had to carry it. They also recognized that they cannot truly say that they were members of the church, that they were united with Christ if they do not give, if they do not share, if they do not continue the work of Christ. And so as members of Christ, we are no longer just a member in a community, but we are active member of his body. We are his hands. God doesn't act miraculously very often, does he? You know, when there's poverty, when there's death, when there's evil, when there's destruction, when there's tears, you know, we don't actually see God coming and intervening anymore, do we? It happens, but it's really rare. Do you know why? It's because he's left his church. That's the point of the church. We are his hands. And so sometimes we look at the injustices in the world and we look at Syria. And other, the other, last week I was watching a little documentary on the, on the war in Syria. And something inside me, you know, human, natural human emotion, felt anger. Because what I was seeing was children, you know, being ripped apart from their families and seeing their parents slaughtered and, you know, bombs dropped. And, and I felt anger. And then the next thing I said was, where's God? Where's Christ? Where did he go? Where is he now? Why doesn't he do anything? 
And as I was thinking that, then I saw the UN and I saw the Red Cross and I saw these nurses and I, and I go, oh my God, that's Christ. That's his body. That's his hand. It is very difficult for a human being to empty themselves to the point that they put themselves in that type of risk. For what purpose would a Red Cross volunteer go and do that in Syria? It's beyond human capacity here. It is the working of God. So God moves individuals to do what they can do, to act as his hand. When I was in England, I was living in England for a while, and my father of confession there, we were talking, I can't remember what we were talking about, and then he said, you know, there's this verse that says, God will not test you beyond your measure. And I said, yeah, I said to him, yeah, that makes me feel good all the time. When I get into a mess and everything's going bad, I kind of read that and I say, yeah, it means everything's going to be all right, I'm going to be able to get out of this. And then he said to me, you know what, it's actually misunderstood. So here we go. <laughs> He's more uh, naked. Anyway, so what he said, he said that it's actually only applicable within the church. There are so many people out there that are pressured beyond measure, beyond what they can handle. That happens. But he says what Christ was talking about is as long as you are a member of this church, Together, carrying each other's burden, taking care of each other, you can't be tested beyond what you're capable of. Now, whether that is the real interpretation of the verse, I don't know. But it's something that's stuck in my head until now. I can't get it out of my head. Because what he's saying is that if I'm all alone, outside, in that world, dealing with the mess of this world, I can fall to the point of total destruction. But inside the church, that never happens. And so the next thing I thought, well, what is it about this church? Is it the fact that we're really organized? Is it the fact that we've got really cool leadership? Is it the fact that we've got, you know, great fundraising? Is it the fact, we, what is it about this thing called the church that makes that happen? And it's actually because each of us, members, hands, Legs, feet, eyes, ears of that one Christ will always look to each other, understand where our problems are and carry the burdens together. And in doing that, it is very difficult for one of our members to be squeezed or afflicted beyond what they can handle. And that's what almsgiving is. It's not about giving to the poor. It's not about, you know, trying to decide if I find a beggar on the street in Swanston Street, should I give them or are they going to use it on drugs? Who cares? What's that got to do with it? It's about being active members of the body of Christ. It's about using our hands and our feet and our mind and our ears and our mouth to do what he would have done. So Christ walks around, you know, in the, in the Gospels you see, he walks around and what does his hands do? What are some of the things his hands do? They give to the poor. Yes. So when he found someone and he could give them, he did. His hands, and we could do the same. But it's not only that. 
those hands he lifted to God and prayed for, the, for people who needed prayer. It was those hands he used to grab people to comfort them. It was those hands he used to put his hand on people and bless. What did his feet do? His feet walked all the way to Samaria just to find the Samaritan woman and tell her, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. Your sins are forgiven you. I understand you. I love you. Come to me. How far do we walk? His ears are the ones that listened to all those sinners telling him about their problems. His mouth was the one that spoke and said, you are forgiven. His mouth was the one that gave people hope. His mouth was the one that lifted people rather than breaking them down. And so, in our idea of Lent as a place where we give, I think we need to think a little bit deeper and say that it's not just about the act of giving occasion. It's about becoming the hand and the feet and the eyes and the ears of Christ. It's about always continuously asking yourself, what would Jesus do? What do I have to do now in order to show Christ to everybody? Christ is missing from this Western world. He's missing. People are leaving the church, not because the church is bad, but because they can't see Christ anymore. How do, we, how do we show Christ? Well, it's actually us that has to show Christ. It's actually us, when people see what we do, what we say, how we listen, how we are concerned with each other, that they see Christ. And so if people are leaving church, if people are moving away from Christ, it's actually because we don't represent Christ anymore. Because we no longer show Christ. We are just individual members of a church. And that's why you see, you know, when a church is really grouped, very knit together, and the activity of giving and supporting each other and looking out for each other, and when someone is sad and crying and broken, we lift each other and we're there. When someone's happy, we're there. When, when someone needs us, when someone is broke, when someone is, and that church is active, that church grows. And it doesn't grow because we feel nice and it's a nice place to hang out, or it's a good institution, or a good club that we like to hang out at. It grows because people start to see Christ. People start to experience Christ. People start to know God more. And so why does the church link this concept with fasting, prayer and repentance? Because I can only become the hand and the foot and the ear and the eye of Christ when I know Him. And we said that in fasting and and prayer, it's about experiencing God deeper and in that experience and in that revelation I can do the impossible. And so becoming the hands and the ears and the eyes and the legs of Christ is actually the impossible for humans. 
And so that's why the church says, actually, let's bundle this into the activity of the Lent. Let's put fasting and prayer and repentance all together and almsgiving. And then the more we do these things, the more each of these things increase in our life. And so you find someone like Teresa of Avliva, or you find Mother Teresa, or you find some of these saints that we look at and we read about and we say, wow, what was going on? You know what was going on? What was going on was fasting, prayer and repentance to the point that they became like Christ. They knew Christ more. And every day turned into the extension of the life of Christ. So when we hear the word almsgiving, I want to you know, challenge myself, I guess, and all of us together that we think more deeper and broader that this is the practical application of our Eucharist. This is the practical application of our membership in the body of Christ. And without it, we sever ourselves. And that's why St. James, for example, says, you know what? You know what's really pure and undefiled religion is that when you take care of the widows and the orphans and those who do not need anything, who, don't, who, who have nothing. And I'll think, wait a sec, you forgot about everything else. You forgot about coming to church and taking Eucharist and you forgot about... And he said, undefiled religion is when you take care of the widow and the orphan. Why? Because in doing that, you are practically, practically executing this concept that we are members in the body of Christ. And glory be to God forever. Amen. Any questions? Uh, additions? Up on that verse that you talked about you know, you're not going to have a temptation that's beyond your ability, but you will have tribulations that are beyond your ability, and yep. God's the one who gets you through yep. And like I said, whether it's the interpretation of the verse or not, I have doubt, but the thing stuck in my head when he told it to me. So, um, yes, I get challenged all the time on that, but um, I don't know if it's the way that you interpret that verse or not, but what he said stuck in my head very much. Cool. All right. Thank you.